you are not going to do collaborative design on somebody else's meeting. Like that's just not going to happen. They have a different agenda. So you have to get them to come to your meetings. Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning into Nodes of Design. To help support our mission spread knowledge, we have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Crystal Sundamurthy who is a VP of UX Research at Bank of America. She is a UX researcher and traction designer, former engineer with over 15 years of experience working on global bank market solutions for global transaction services. She has been also an inventor with over 13 patents on her name. In this episode, Crystal had shared wonderful insights on collaborative design and how collaboration plays a very major role in making us better designers. And also we spoke on what are the best practices in collaborative model that embraces the inclusivity that fits for all and how to avoid design by committee method in the end we discussed on few methodologies on how to cultivate a design by collaboration mindset in an individual and on a team perspective hope you guys enjoyed this episode and on every friday we release new episodes with different creative leaders from around the world to help you better understand different concepts related to design so don't forget to tune in into notes of design every friday with that being said happy designing everyone Hi Crystal, welcome to Notes of Design. It's pleasure hosting you today on our show. It's great to be here. Thanks. So Crystal, how's your day going? Oh, uh, it's a very nice sunny day here in in Charlotte, North Carolina, in the US. So, yeah, it's, it's um been inside a lot like a lot of us <laughs> this year, but um it's beautiful here and so I'm just happy. Thank you Crystal. So, if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there. Yeah. Happy to. So I'm a UX researcher and designer at uh, one of the largest financial institutions in the world. I have to say, because it's a regulated industry, that the opinions are my own, and I'm not representing them in any way whatsoever. Um, but yeah, like I said, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, with my husband. He's actually from India, where I know you're located. Tell him I do actually can cry could be. So I, I love the country and the people, and I'm all. personally really into exploring different uses of technology especially like emerging technologies that's kind of my thing but at the same time i love detaching from it and and getting outdoors at the same time just as much and enjoying nature thank you so much crystal so what was your journey into design and how did you start yeah so i am definitely one of those career switchers i was a systems engineer for about 15 years before hearing about ux and i wish i had known about it a long time ago cuz when i heard about it i was like that's my thing like that's so awesome that you're helping people get better at technology but i think all things kind of happen for a reason that's a strong belief of mine and being an engineer helped me overall because i kind of think in systems and i'm also able to be aware of some of the technological constraints and then adapt my designs so that they they fit so avoid some of the surprises later when it gets into technology's hands um i started when i first found out about ux going to a bootcamp so there is a bootcamp called career foundry based in germany um it gave me a very strong foundation but at the same time i'm also a little bit of an academic and um I wanted to go for the master's degree route. So I went for I'm in the process still going part-time to get a master's degree in human computer interaction. Got about three courses left, so I'm kind of in that phase now where I'm just ready for it to be over, but um I'm sure I'll miss it eventually because I really like the academic aspect. And then uh what really helped me was networking with different people and found one person who was like a mentor to me at work and he invited me to sit in on meetings and I really got to see the soft skills that are necessary to seed in UX and that was a major benefit to me. So after some time I eventually um an opportunity came up and I was able to um get into 
UX officially. It's really important to um, persevere and have patience. Uh, you just don't know when, it, if you're trying to get into UX, it's really hard. And you're just like, when is this is never going to happen. Sometimes you feel like, but eventually um, when that day happens, you don't know that tomorrow is going to be that day. So it will be, it will come and it will be there just be persistent. Thank you, Crystal. So what are the tips that you want to suggest to the beginners out there? Yeah. So aside from like the, the patience and perseverance, start where you are. Um, one of the biggest things I think with UX is changing your mindset. So all around you, there are design things. There are design experiences that you're looking at. And when you really uh, start getting into UX, you start seeing a lot more than you ever did before. So just start noticing and start thinking about uh, what is good design? What is bad design? Why is it good or bad? Because you know, there are reasons. People don't set out to make bad designs. <laughs> There's usually factors that go into that. So think about why that might be. And then also think about how you might fix it and what you might do. Um, after that, just, I would also recommend really don't dismiss books. Um, there's a lot of information out there that can be a little bit more superficial, but totally dig into books, especially books that have strong references and pay attention to those. Because when you, a topic interests you and um, you pursue that, that's how you're going to find your area of expertise and your niche that will um, make you a specialist in some specific place that will overall give yourself more value in the field um, to, to share with others. Thank you so much, Crystal. So being a VP of user research at Bank of America, and you've been like collaborating with a lot of folks over there. So let's begin mm -hmm. our discussion on collaborative design. So what exactly is collaborative design and how collaborations can make us a better designer? Yeah, so um, I think the, the collaborative design that I practice stems a lot from IBM's design thinking. Um, definitely check out their resources. They have a lot of, they have some free resources, a free course, totally check that out. Um, but overall, what Collaborative design means is actively improving upon a product with the people who will be playing an active role in the creation of that product later. So that means that you want to always have developers, testers, and operations or support folks um, involved along the way. Um, and in addition, of course, you need those business people. <laughs> They're the ones who ultimately are going to get the, the final say. So typically you're a product manager. And the reason why collaborative uh, design is so important is these people are all going to impact the design in some way later. You want to have them part of the process all from the beginning. Um, so there's no surprises in rework later. So I would say that the key way is that you're fostering more engagement and alignment and investment from the whole team. So, um, I kind of want to say fights. It's not fights, of course, but you're getting less um, battles that you have to to fight later on um, when someone just hasn't been along for the ride. And so therefore they don't see how you got to that destination. And then you're trying to explain it and maybe they never come you know, to see it. So you're, you're overall helping the process. In addition, when you're doing collaborative design, uh, you're, you need less fidelity. Because all of a sudden the team starts working as one and that makes you a more efficient designer. So they, you just start to have a shared understanding and therefore you don't have to be pixel perfect as much. Um, there just comes to be a general understanding about what are we doing and why are we here and um, what is expected. It also even allows for some more autonomy to the developers because you begin to trust their judgment because they understand how you might think about something. And then in addition, it gets away from, I don't know if you've heard of like the hippo, the highest paid person's opinion type of idea. So uh, first, if, if there is that person, you kind of have, want to have them evolved early on. But at the same time, if they're not, and you have this whole collective team who's building this product and they have an opinion and a shared vision, it's harder for them to come and push back against that. Thank you so much, Crystal. So how can we 
introduce the collaborative design in an organization and run it effectively? Yeah, so this really takes design leadership. You have to find a way to put the time on everybody's calendar for them to come to you. You are not going to do collaborative design on somebody else's meeting. Like that's just not going to happen. They have a different agenda. So you have to get them to come to your meetings. And the way that you do that, because it can be hard, especially if people aren't familiar with it, find ways to offer value. And early on in a project, the best way that you can do that is to suggest a kickoff meeting because, you know, people are kind of forming as a team. They're like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And then you start asking just really simple questions like, um, who do we need to get involved? And what are the objectives? What are our priorities? And it's amazing how many gaps you will find amongst the team. Like the people all of a sudden start disagreeing and then they'll start talking and, and like really working it through. And they're like, oh, wow, this was so beneficial at the end of the meeting. And then they, you know, you, usually an hour is not even enough for that. So you continue to have the next meeting and then you build up, okay, so what are our priorities and what does our roadmap look like? And you start eventually um, segueing that into, okay, what sort of research questions do we have? And then, okay, now let's start looking at the designs. Let's, you know, I'll come back with something that we can look at in a week and we'll all kind of make decisions about it. So you, you kind of ease them into it. So any best practices that you suggest for a collaborative model that embraces an inclusive and perfectly fits for all and how to avoid the design by committee methodology. Yeah, that's the fear, right? <laughs> like, if we have everybody's design, like how is anything going to get done? Um, and it's going to be like this mediocre design. So the most important thing is you personally have to have a strategy and a vision. That means you have to be prepared. It means you have to know what questions are going to come up and how to answer them. And if you're earlier in your UX career, don't freak out um, because that's hard to have a vision You know, at first. It'll come. It'll just you know, you're, you're going to waste a little bit more time here or there going down avenues that you'll realize later on that you probably could have cut short. But overall, figure out where you want to go ahead of time and then be open and adaptable because none of us has all the ideas. And there are some great ideas from other members of the team with other, other um, perspectives. So moment by moment, when you're meeting with people, adapt and just try things out and see where it goes. And then also really important is know when to stop. So there's the Pareto principle, like the 80-20 rule. Once the team is about 80% of the way there towards a solution, don't keep going down those rabbit holes. <laughs> you'll, you'll just frustrate everybody. So also know when to stop. Thank you so much, Crystal. So what it takes to build a design collaboration mindset as an individual? Yeah, so the biggest thing is no ego, right? Like I said, there are other people who will know more than you and that's totally how the world works. Like none of us knows everything. So leave the ego at the door. And then also take on this mindset of being a trusted advisor. So you're not really trying to tell anybody what to do, especially those stakeholders, right? You're, you're just trying to give them advice and say, this is what I would do. And then give the justification, give the background, you know, storytelling comes into play there because sometimes you have to really spell it out to get them to understand where you're coming from. And then also it's important to be inclusive. So look for all those opinions that others might overlook. A lot of times it's really those operations and support people or the testers. Testers are, can be amazing um, to have on your team. They will use the product inside and out and really start to notice where all those speed bumps and road bumps might be over time. So include them. And then as well, like I said before, be adaptable. Thank you, Crystal. So could you please share with us how does your typical day look like and any interesting stories? Yeah, so, well, I'll, I'll just try to describe my typical week because that's a little bit more reliable. And also this is a little bit of an ideal, 
um, rather than how it actually is. There are always weird things that come up, but typically, and this is how my whole team tries to operate. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, we try to designate for these collaborative working sessions. And then also with our internal UX team meetings. So we know that um, that's our day. That's what we have to prepare for. And that's what we'll do on Mondays and Wednesdays. So we'll spend that whole day maybe doing some desk research, doing research with users, analyzing research, creating personas, user flows, journey mapping, and then actually designing interfaces. Um, we, in particular, use Sketch on my team, but whatever your design tool of choice is. And then that leaves Fridays for getting caught up or exploring ideas more broadly. You, you need that deep thinking time in design. So it's really important. Um, we try not to have any meetings on Fridays, but that can be a difficult ideal to maintain. Thank you, Crystal. So we'll conclude the show by you recommending three favorite books of yours and also people who inspire you the most in this space. Yeah, so um, there are a lot of great books out there. I think there are a lot of great books that get mentioned quite often. So I'll try to mention some of the lesser known ones and specifically those really um, in-depth type books that I was talking about earlier. So early on in my coursework, uh, the textbook that we used was called Interaction Design Beyond Human Computer Interaction by Jenny Priest, Yvonne Rogers, and Helen Sharp. Um, it just gives a fantastic overview of what all the UX processes and methods are about. And um, it, there were things that I learned in there that I've not seen um, you know, reading blogs or, or other avenues. So I totally recommend that type of a book. And then I also really like Understanding Your Users a Practical Guide to User Research Methods by Kathy Baxter, Catherine Courage, and Kellen, Kelly Kane. So um, again, a lot of in-depth methods. You don't have to reinvent the wheel uh, with UX. That's really important to remember. Sometimes it feels like there are a lot of new technologies, new products, um, and this is all like this brand new. But no, there have I've actually, when you start keep digging, you'll see people have been talking about this stuff for decades in, in various ways. And um, a lot of great insights that'll push you further along um, as you, you move on. And then recently, I really enjoyed this book called Engaged by Amy Buecher. It's about behavior change design. And I've had that same um, enlightenment, like aha kind of moment with behavior change design as I did with UX. That's so kind of like really leading into my thing, my, my interest about behavior change and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So, well, and that's where I would like to say like A.B. Buecher is somebody I'm following quite a bit right now. Um, because there are so many possible, there are so many ways that technology can enhance people's lives. I mean, that was really why I got into UX is to find out ways that technology can help people towards their goals and behavior change design is all about that. So following everything Amy Buker does right now. And then also I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't mention my mentor, um, Matthew Carroll, who has been super willing to share his knowledge and expertise. He's been in the business for about 20 years. So definitely um, one of my favorite UX people. And then lastly, I'm a big fan of Susan and Guthrie Weinshank. They're in the whole uh, behavioral science field. Um, and uh, again, with the behavioral science and the people thing, the other piece about it that's awesome is technology changes really fast, but people don't change very fast. So if you start learning more about people, um, you'll you'll have some uh, tools there that, that you can apply for, for a long time to come. Thank you so much, Crystal, for your wonderful time. We are looking forward to host you again in our upcoming episodes. Oh yeah, thank you so much, Ted. This has been really enjoyable. Thank you.